and we did everything the wrong way, right? So like when we started Fantasy Hub, we did no customer discovery. We tried, we raised some money from friends and family right out of the gate. We outsourced development, and it just it didn't work at all. We burned through a bunch of cash. Uh, you know, we we made all these mistakes the way that you do when you start your first company. You know, you just don't know what you don't know. Uh, and we went through that for a while, but we just like we worked really hard. We ran through every brick wall we came up against, and we just kind of kept staying alive until we hit, until we found that stride. Awesome Inc. presents the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame, a show that highlights how people throughout the Commonwealth of Kentucky pursue their definition of awesome through entrepreneurship, technology, and innovation. Hey everyone, today we're going to be sitting down with Logan Burchett and Stephen Plappert. These guys are the founders of Forecaster, which is a software as a service model that helps startups with all of their financial planning. These guys see their product becoming like the next QuickBooks, but for financial planning and analysis. Both Logan and Steven have been well prepared because of their involvement with VentureFirst based out of Louisville, Kentucky. And VentureFirst exists to build an ecosystem for entrepreneurs, companies, and investors while providing support throughout their life cycle. Hear how these two are helping eliminate the barrier for startups as they raise capital. Logan and Steven, we are so glad to have you here at Awesome Inc. talking about Forecaster and everything you guys have been doing, both the tech and finance industry. So for those of you guys who don't know, Forecaster is, you guys are a relatively new company, correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I guess uh, Steven and I had the idea for Forecaster back in uh, I think March of 2018, so um, pretty new. Pretty new, yeah. And so I got to meet you guys when you came and pitched at Five Across back in back in April. Mm-hmm. So yeah, our, our friendship's pretty new, but I'm excited to hear your guys' story and what you guys are doing because you guys have some impressive backgrounds. And I know that for a lot of people, you guys are both but mid-20s, so it's cool to hear some relevant stories of some younger entrepreneurs. And so what is your guys' story? How'd you end up in Kentucky and Lexington? How'd you get involved within the entrepreneurial community here? Sure, sure. So uh, this is Logan speaking right now. I actually uh, made my way into Louisville about two and a half years ago to work for a company there called uh, Venture First. So uh, prior to that, I was working at the Kentucky Pension Fund. It wasn't really my scene. I I didn't really love the job. Uh, And I was really, really interested in working with startups and and learning about startups. And and I found a job posting for a financial analyst at Venture First in in Louisville. Um, I emailed the CEO, John Shoemate, Got an interview for the job, and, and the rest is history. That was two and a half years ago. Now I run the uh, FP&A department at Venture First. So uh, prior to that, I was in Lexington. I uh, actually went to college here at Transy, went to high school at West Jesmond High School. Uh, but it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. I love Louisville, and I uh, love the startup, uh, startup ecosystem there. Sweet. Steve, you want to hop in? Yeah, I'm actually uh, born and raised in Louisville, so I'm a, I'm a homeboy. And uh yeah, I've been there most of my life. Uh, yeah, I went to I went to college in Lexington. I went to UK, and then uh, right after college, I actually started a company in Louisville. So, best buddy of mine, I uh, was going down to UT at the time, and uh, had an idea to start a company uh, in the daily fantasy sports arena. So uh, we started a company called Fantasy Hub. Um, we went out and, and competed with you know DraftKings and FanDuel's of the world. Uh, raised some money into that that company. And we're there for a couple of years. So you know that's how I kind of got into the entrepreneurial ecosystem, if you will. Uh, just kind of blindsided starting a company right out of college and uh, really cool experience for me. And you know, I loved every minute of it. And um, I even have some mentors back then that said, you know, Stephen, like you're going to be a serial entrepreneur. 
and I told him, I was like, I don't know, guys, like, you know, I'm just doing this for now. And like, we'll, we'll see. And, uh, you know, as soon as I really got started on that company, I knew that it was the, it was the path for me. Uh, so, you know, that's how I got started in, in entrepreneurship and, and whatnot. And after that company shut down, uh, in 2016, uh, I started working for venture first, uh, as, as well. So I've been there for a couple of years now and then got this company, you know, up, up and running. So, uh, yeah, we're excited about it. Man, that is super cool. So I want to, I want to quickly go into your backgrounds. I would love for you guys to chime in. So Logan, let's, let's hit you first. So again, you are the outsourced CS, CFO, excuse me, head of FP&A at Venture First. You've constructed over 100 financial models. That's pretty impressive. And you are currently the, the CF, CFO for a, a ton of startups and you've helped raise millions in early stage funding. How the heck did you do all that? Uh, I mean, it was really just kind of getting at the ground floor of Venture First. It's, it's, Working at Venture First has, has been such a really interesting opportunity for for me and, and I'm sure Stephen because uh, it it kind of affords you uh, the opportunity to work in such close quarters with entrepreneurs in a CFO capacity. So you know, um, there's very few companies where you can actually sit at the table with with senior management of an organization and they're really gonna value your input and they're really gonna. To, to listen to you because you have a certain skill set that's really, really valuable to them. So, uh, you know, founders come to venture first to, to really understand their finances and to really understand specifically cash and, and how much cash that they, they need, if they're going to run out of cash and, and, uh, and just really, really understand the financial portion of their business. So, uh, so in order to do that, you have to construct uh, really robust financial models and, and after a while, you know, word gets around that that you're able to construct these types of models and you have this this type of skill set. And it just kind of really snowballs from there. Um, but it's been a, it's been a great ride. And and I've got to work with a, a ton of different companies and meet a ton of really, really interesting entrepreneurs and and, and a lot of interesting founders. And it, it's been great. You know, it's it's irreplaceable experience. And I and I really, really value it and cherish it. That's wonderful to hear. And I think one of the, the main things that stuck out to me as you said, that the people, when you're on the table, they actually care about what you say. I think that's one of the most encouraging things for being, you know, mid-20s and you're around a bunch of 40-plus-year-olds. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, th and that was a biggest transition in the career for me. I mean, back, like I said before, whenever I was working at the pension fund, I was really just kind of a low-level analyst, just, you know, sitting behind an Excel spreadsheet. And it's it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a great transition to actually be able to contribute Um and, and be a part of, of that team that, that makes strategic decisions and ultimately affects the direction of the company. Um, and and that, I think that part is the part that I cherish the most about uh, being an outsourced finance uh, for, for entrepreneurs. Oh, I love that. So Steven, you, my friend as well, have some, some pretty interesting stuff in your, in your background that got you involved with the entrepreneurial scene. So you are a Techstars alum, and I know in the, the startup ecosystem, that is something that a lot of people would kind of insert the halo sound, you know, the angel sound uh, for doing that. And you're also a serial entrepreneur. So you founded Fantasy Hub, like you just said, and grew to 40,000 users. That's, that's pretty dope. And you've been working in finance and marketing again at Venture First the past two years. So again, how did you get involved with Techstars? What really kind of kicked off just this whole entrepreneurial thing for you? Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, I think I always was going to be an entrepreneur. I just didn't really understand it or know it. So a funny story is that my father was an entrepreneur. Like he's ran his own payments company for about 15, 20 years now. 
And as a kid, I never really, I just didn't really know the term entrepreneurship. I mean, I knew that he owned his own business, but I thought about him as like a business owner. I didn't even really know, you know, what it meant to start a company. And so I, you know, I was always, I think, destined for entrepreneurship, but I just didn't know it. And like I was saying, uh, when, when Andrew Busa, uh, my, my, my best friend, came up with this idea for Fantasy Hub out of college, we started it kind of on a whim. We said, look, it's a good idea. Uh, let's give it a shot. And like, if it doesn't work out, we'll go get big boy jobs, you know, and, 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 and be done with it, you know. But like, what better time than now to try it? Because you got basically no risk. You're completely untethered, you know, coming out of college. And uh, so that's, that's really where it got the start. And then, uh, and we did everything the wrong way, right? So like when we started Fantasy Hub, we did no customer discovery. We tried, we raised some money from friends and family right out of the gate. We outsourced development and it just, it didn't work at all. We burned through a bunch of cash. Uh, you know, we, we made all these mistakes the way that you do when you start your first company. You know, you just don't know what you don't know. Uh, and we went through that for a while, but we just like, we worked really hard. We ran through every brick wall we came up against and we just kind of kept staying alive until we hit, until we found that stride. You know, we kind of just, kind of clunked along and weren't exactly sure where to spend our energy and our time. Uh, and we just ended up kind of making a hit with our eventual product, which was this daily fantasy sports with this charitable component where you could win money for yourself, but also for, for a notable cause. You know, we ended up working with a lot of professional athletes uh, who basically had their own charitable foundations and wanted to use fantasy football as a way to raise money for that. Uh, most famously, our first athlete that we actually had signed up was Adrian Peterson. No um, way, that is so cool. That was wild, dude. So we got Adrian Peterson signed up as the first fantasy football athlete to use Fantasy Hub, and a month before his campaign went off was when he hit his kid with a stick, uh, and like all hell broke loose. Yeah. Uh, so he had to, we had to basically like his charity almost shut down because he was in so much flack in the media. We had to back away from the campaign. Uh, it was crazy, man. It was so crazy because he's like the guy in fantasy football. It was like incredible that we got this guy. But anyway, uh, you know, it's like that's kind of how we got a lot of this traction. And then we got into Techstars basically through that, you know. So Techstars, their kind of application process, they say they focus on team, 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 idea, market, team, uh, which tells you how important the founding team is, right, and, and building new businesses. And, uh, you know, they have this three-tiered application process where you apply online, and then you get a phone screening and eventually in person. And uh, we actually applied twice before, and we got denied both in the online application because we just didn't have it figured out. But once we got all these athletes on board, we really started seeing some traction. Uh, they were willing to give us a shot with a phone interview, and from there we just crushed it. You know, I mean, they really liked what we had to offer from like a team standpoint. We had a lot of cohesion, we had a lot of energy. Um, so I think that's what they liked, and uh, we were actually the first Kentucky company to get selected into TechStars, uh, which you know, I, it makes me very, you know, very happy to, to say that. I think that's super cool, and uh, it was a great experience for us. You know, I mean. Techstars is a, is such a money organization. Like it's just it, there's so so much quality in it, and the people, uh, and the learnings, you know. And so it's so crucial for like a young entrepreneur to like have that quality of mentorship to say like, hey, this is what you should focus your time on, or hey, it's really important to build a network, or hey, here's how you fundraise. Like all these things you just don't know, you know. So like it taught me all of that, and I think from there it was just like they really kind of lifted the veil that showed me, hey, this is the path to success from an entrepreneurship standpoint, you know, versus before I was just like, wasn't sure. There's a lot of anxiety around like not knowing what to do. And I think once they kind of showed me the light, so to speak, it was like rest is history. It was like, I was destined to just kind of like be an entrepreneur, you know? Man, that is, that is so cool. And I think actually for me personally, so this is my first job out of college. And again, I haven't started a company. I'm not anywhere nearly as cool as you guys, but a lot of stuff I've learned just by being in the community you know, we have, we're a co-working space, so we always have different companies coming in and out. 
and and people that are around around our space for other events or they're looking at hey I'm you know from Tennessee or from Alabama for the day can I work here and just getting to pick their brain or you know if we go to a coffee shop and overhear a conversation it cracks me up that the stuff I've learned just through all these companies you're like oh, man we never paid any attention to customer discovery and what the heck is like validating an idea all that stuff so it's really it's really cool and like very impressive that you guys have established that early on because man so many people and so many companies just totally ignore those steps. Absolutely. And, and you know, I have to give Steven a ton of credit here because, you know, this is my first company, my first real company that I've really gone after. And, and if, if it were, if I, if left up to my own devices, I think I would have done what Steven did in his first company and completely ignored all of those important steps and, and trying to get to know your customers. So it was really, really important to us with, with Forecaster that we spend a lot of time doing customer discovery and really understanding the needs and 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 the desires of the customers and, and where our product kind of fits in and makes the most sense. So, you know, back in, in March, whenever we had this idea, we we really devoted the first, I mean, probably six to eight months of just solid customer discovery. Um, you know, we we would send out polls to uh to founders we'd get email addresses off of PitchBook and and we'd send out these batches of emails and and uh we found out that actually uh i think 50 emails per batch is, is what will scoot you under the the radar to get you flagged by gmail so i would put them in batches of 50 and, and i think steven would do the same thing and we would just send these out and and collect some data to see hey would you use this type of product would you be interested in this and and uh and, and then from there, we just kind of moved on and, and started doing legitimate customer discovery interviews. And, and these aren't just kind of polls that you send in an email. These are, these are long 30-minute phone calls that you have with founders and just really, really trying to understand how they currently forecast and, and what their current pains are and, and if they would find something like Forecaster Valuable. And, and, we, and we did that, you know, that was our primary priority for, for a long time. And, and, you know, because of all of that legwork, I think now we really, really understand the market. We understand what the founders needs are. Um, we have a really, really good idea of how we're going to attack the market and, and our, a strong understanding of our growth strategies. And because of that, you know, we have a, a soft wait list of, of over 100 founders and uh, we've had discovery interviews with 84 uh, uh, companies, I believe, and uh, spoken to dozens of accelerators. So it's it's very important. And I got to give Stephen props for kind of steering us in that direction early on, because if, if it were up to me, we, we would not have done that. Sweet. Well, hey, let's go ahead and talk about your guys' company, Forecaster. So what is the story behind your startup? Because you guys have mentioned every incredible thing you guys have learned from your background with, you know, Venture First or, you know, being a Techstars alum and trying and failing. So, yeah. Go ahead and talk about your company and what's the story behind it? Because I think that's the main thing that's going to kind of set the trajectory for the rest of this episode. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, I think to, to understand kind of like the reasoning behind starting this company, you have to understand what Stephen and I kind of did as a day job for, for the last couple of years, which was for me, uh, it was, it was largely building out financial models for companies. So um, one of the things that venture first does really, really well is it'll, it'll interview a company. It'll, it'll kind of get to know them as a CFO and it'll construct these, these incredibly robust, incredibly detailed financial models. And they're done in Excel right now, just because that's kind of the standard of how you build a financial model. 
Um, and you you mentioned earlier in the episode that I built over a hundred of these, and that's because we just work with a, a huge volume of companies. And after and be, because I've done so many, and and because Stephen and I both have have just like really gone through this process so so many times, we we realize that it's something that currently involves a whole lot of labor hours, our our time, and it really doesn't need to. I mean, you can completely automate this process by just setting and just building this on a platform rather than in Microsoft Excel. So what we decided to do was take uh, a variety of different business models and and construct them online and do them and, and construct them in such a way that they are in uh, small pieces that we're calling modules. So in, in building them in like tiny little pieces and then creating a really, really nice onboarding platform, you can you can take the pieces that pertain to specific types of businesses and build completely customized models for a bunch of different companies and take all of the labor hours out of it. So by doing that, you make it way, way, way cheaper for the end users. So now instead of spending thousands of dollars on a financial model, maybe you'll spend uh, you know, a hundred to two hundred to three hundred dollars a month, depending on you, you know your level of uh, how of, how much of money. need. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So. Um, so, I mean, that was really kind of the genesis of the company. I mean, Stephen and I just kind of identified an opportunity and that, you know, we don't need to be making all of these financial models. It's it's not something that we need to spend all of our time doing because if we just take some time and and build this out right, you can automate this entire process and and take take us essentially out of the equation. Um, so uh, once once we figure that out, you know, the rest is history. We started uh, with the customer discovery and, and all of that, and we found that, yeah, this idea does seem to have legs. People do seem to value, uh, you, you know, being able to pay less for the same service and, and kind of linking it up online, making it a lot smarter. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of the, the, the genesis of the idea. Yeah, I love that. That is really, really cool to, to hear about all that because I know when you guys pitch that at Five Across, that's exactly what you're you're hammering home is talking about efficiency, not like wasting time and money. I think that's one of the biggest things you guys are doing. So, Stephen, let me throw this question over to you, per, passing you the proverbial ball. So, you guys, your service aims to eliminate the barrier for startups as they raise capital. What are these barriers that you guys see founders continually running into? Sure. Yeah. Great question. Um, well, some of the barriers are just around basic forecasting, right? And that's what that's kind of the core piece of our business. So. Uh, most things that investors want to see is some level of a forecast, right? Some understanding of, hey, here's where you are today. Okay, yeah, that's great. Not, you know, nothing to sneeze at. Where are you going to go? How are you going to get there? You know, what is it going to take to get there, right? Uh, to understand what you're basically trying to do is predict the future. To, under, to understand that, to do that, uh, you have to have some kind of modeling, right? You have to have some kind of forecasting. Um, and right now people do this in Microsoft Excel. The reality is the very ma vast majority of founders are not finance founders. You know, founders are typically product people, they're visionaries, they're marketing and sales people, they're tech people, uh, they're idea people at the core. Finance people are risk averse. They don't really start companies. Uh, so the, the biggest barrier that a lot of these founders have is that finance isn't their strong suit. The numbers, the core numbers aren't, isn't their strong suit. 
but they need to understand you know, how much cash they're going to need to grow the business, which is a, which is a, a measure of forecasting. They don't understand you know, what, do, what do they need to do from a customer acquisition standpoint, from a margin standpoint to generate cash flows, to break even. They need to really think through all the mechanics of their business if they're going to succeed. Uh, and investors want to see that. You know, investors, when they look at projections, they almost always know that the projections are wrong. It's not really about the numbers. It's about the process. They want to be able to see that the founder has gone through the process of forecasting their company, of thinking through mechanically how their company is going to work. Uh, and what we see in the market is that many, many founders fall short of this. Uh, so they're not able to put together a, a meaningful forecast. Uh, it's something that can really impress investors. And that's a huge roadblock when it comes to fundraising. Uh, so that's really what we aim to solve with Forecaster, you know, because like Logan said, you know, Venture First is super good at building these Excel-based financial models. We've done it a lot. But Venture First is way more than that, right? Like Venture First, what Venture First really thrives at is being that true financial leader, being a CFO, you know, being that holistic team, that finance team. That's not something that Forecaster is going to replace. That's something that Forecaster is going to work with, which is really awesome. But the thing that Forecaster will replace uh, is this Excel-based financial model that just confuses the heck out of people. Like, you know, it's, it's not good for investors because it all looks crazy and people have all their homegrown ways of doing it. Founders aren't really trained in doing it right, and so they don't do it right, and it really hamstrings them. And so where Forecaster can step in and say, hey, look, like, we're going to offer this up in a really easy-to-use, slick UX, like, simple pro platform, basically. You answer some questions, fill out some data and assumptions about your business, bam, there's a forecast. It looks great. You can pull insights from it. It's shareable with an investor with a link. I mean, it, it, there's so many benefits to doing that. Um, that's, that's the barrier we're trying to break down with Forecaster. But I do want to mention that Forecaster is not really about raising money. It's Forecaster is much more about operationally running your business right. Because raising money is obviously a big piece of, of, of starting companies, and it's a thing that Forecaster can be really good for. But Forecaster is about day in and day out, month in and month out, managing to plan, understanding, can you hire this next developer? Or how many customers do you need to break even? Or how long is your runway? Are you going to run out of cash in six months? You've got to keep a beat on a forecast in order to understand that. Right now, a lot of founders aren't doing that because they use Excel and it's confusing and time consuming. And that's what we're trying to fix. Nice. Well, so speaking of, you mentioned like the, the nice UX platform or UI platform. Your guys' startup is a software. So it's a software as a service. Again, you don't have to share all the all the goodness behind it, but how do you guys develop this? Did you outsource it? Do either you guys have any coding background? Great question. Uh, so we do not have any coding background. Logan and I are uh, our finance guys, uh, you know, and, and uh, being in, in the startup world, we wear many hats, uh, but development is not one of them. Um, so... Uh, you know, when we came up with the idea, like I mentioned, we did a bunch of customer discovery, tried to validate things first. But as soon as we were validated, we knew, okay, look, we got to find out who's going to build this thing. Uh, and we started to look, you know, for who that person was going to be. Uh, so we started to basically interview some people, just kind of look for an individual resource, maybe to come on uh, part time for equity. Uh, and honestly, I can't remember exactly how we uh, kind of stumbled across APAC software, but they're the ones building it now, which is really cool that we're doing it with Awesome Inc. Uh, so, you know, I mean, uh, Brian, through the Cherub Fund, uh, was an investor in Fantasy Hub, so I had some relationship there. And I and again, I can't remember how we found out, but we just basically found that, hey, APAC you know, is a software development arm of Awesome Inc. We've always been really impressed with Awesome Inc. I always think it's a really cool kind of like nexus of, of entrepreneurship here in Lexington. 
And basically, uh, you know, we, we've stumbled upon this resource that they had, thought it was really slick and worked out a really awesome deal with them uh, to build this initial product. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're the, really the development workhorse as to bringing this thing to life. Uh, you know, Logan and I are, are working very closely with, with the guys over at Apex, Keith and Matt and now Ian and Danielle. Uh, so that's been really cool. Uh, but you have to, you have to shout it out to venture first too. So, I mean, something we haven't talked about is that, you know, venture first has been super helpful in, in getting this thing off the ground, uh, and they're fronting the cash. So they're, they're, they're paying for this development to come off, uh, and they're getting a slice of equity for that. So, uh, it's been really cool working with venture first. Uh, you know, we would not be here without, you know, their assistance in this and their openness to it, you know, because so easy for a company uh, to look at something like this, you know, you know, Logan and I obviously have non-competes. We're at the company. We, th- we came up with the idea on company time. Easy for a company to say, hey, look, technically that's our IP. Yeah, great. That's a new product for Venture First. But Venture First is all about building an entrepreneurial ecosystem. And they know that one of the best ways to build an entrepreneurial ecosystem, spin out good companies out of companies. Like that's the way that Silicon Valley really got its start was these spin out companies. So you have to feed into that system. Venture First knows that. And Venture First has always been super supportive. So as soon as Logan and I came to them with this idea, they were supportive the entire way. And they said, hey, look, this is awesome. We want to support you guys. Let's find out a way to do it. Let's work out a deal. That's what we did. I love it. I think one thing that I, I enjoy most about hearing a little, all of that is there's so much loyalty, loyalty to the people there. And again, there's like not some ranking of hierarchy or like burning bridges. I, I really respect that. And so that's cool to hear you guys have been really influenced by them. So, hey, Logan, uh, man, I'm missing your voice. I want, I, want to hear, I want to come back. So what have been, and give me like the 60-second version, what have been some of the best findings um, that Stephen and you have discovered when talking with these founders you guys have reached out to in your mass, mass email lists? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm actually going to answer that question a little bit differently because what I want to talk about is kind of the findings that we that we found whenever talk, we were talking to the accelerators. Oh, perfect. Um, and, and, I guess the, and I guess the founders. It's just a really, really key piece of information that I think is going to be incredibly, incredibly valuable whenever we go out to, to try to grow this company. Uh, but I think that the the one the the number one key piece of information that we've discovered is that founders tend to build uh, Excel financial models because somebody has told them to build these financial models. Uh, I found that it's it's fairly rare and it's the minority of the time that a founder just happens to know that hey I think that I need to build this forecast and, and it's just kind of like an organic thing that happens. Nine times out of ten, either an investor or an accelerator, or some form of an influencer has said, hey, let me see your financial model, or hey, you need to build a financial model. Financial modeling is, is incredibly important. So so that's when they start to build their forecasts is whenever somebody has told them to do that. Um, why is this important? Well, that's going to be incredibly important whenever we, we're talking about how we're going to grow the company. So um, one of one of our primary growth strategies is going to be hitting up uh, accelerators and incubators and, and uh, offering that their cohorts can forecast on our platform for a steeply discounted price. Uh, and then once they are essentially out of the program, uh, then then they you know have to go up and pay full price for the platform. But uh, but just knowing that um, that, that, that people initially build their forecasts because some sort of an influencer has instructed them to do so, that's a really key piece of information. And, and after talking to individual founders and learning, you know, what, what are the key um, attributes of a financial forecast that you find to be the most valuable, some of the things that we've learned are, are that uh, people find it incredibly valuable to analyze various scenarios 
within their forecast, which is incredibly difficult to do in, in Microsoft Excel, and here's why. Um, within Excel, you have to essentially save various versions of your financial forecast and then compare them essentially in uh, different windows on your computer. And you just have, it's, it's very tedious and very, very difficult. Um, there's, there's really no good effective way to compare various scenarios on say like a single graph. Uh, this is something that forecaster can tackle relatively easily. I mean, uh, within our platform, you can save various versions and then compare all these different scenarios on one page and then just crunch different numbers. Uh, because essentially what a financial forecast is at the end of the day is a simulation of your business. Um, and uh, you want to be able to simulate various scenarios and analyze the impact of those scenarios as quickly and as easily as possible, which is just something that you can't really do in Microsoft Excel. Um, one additional thing that I think that a lot of founders have, have seen is uh, really, really valuable are the different integrations the forecaster can have. So uh, on the front end, you know, one of the one of the most valuable integrations is going to be with accounting software. So right now it's a huge pain to go in and update your financial forecast every single month with actuals. You have to download a report from QuickBooks. You have to copy and paste that report within your your, your Excel based forecast. You have to drag formulas over. It's a pain. Uh, and there's a lot of places where you can you can mess up and, and break formulas and whatnot. Um, founders really, really value the fact that Forecaster can just plug into QuickBooks and it just will real-time update, real-time do variance analysis and all of that. So um, I think that the, the integrations and, uh, and I think that the scenario analysis are going to be the two crowning features of Forecaster that founders see to be the most valuable. And I think that the key growth strategy that we learned from all of our discovery calls are going to be really tackling those influencers, the accelerators, the incubators, and just going after them incredibly hard early on. That was, that was a great explanation. You, you guys know your stuff. Hey, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more kind of on the personal aspects. You guys have been just kicking butt and taking names as you guys have been developing your service. So what have been some of the greatest successes that you guys have had, but also the juicy stuff. What have been some of the worst failures that have really helped shape the way you guys are working now? Sure. So, uh, so I can talk about some of the successes. I, I think that the uh, overall like greatest success that we've had is really just, you know, the success that we've had with customer discovery and, and uh, you know, the fact that we're now able to boast that we have over a hundred founders on, on our wait list. Currently we've had so many discovery interviews, but to call out two specific successes, I think that, uh, that we kind of, uh, we were really happy with the fact that we were able to reach out to uh, the CEO of, of Gus, David Rose, and actually got a response from him. Um, so there's this new uh, service that's out that's called Gus Launch, right? Um, and they package all kinds of different resources for startups, and and uh, and they allow people to purchase subscriptions for Gus Launch and get access to, to all of these different tools. Um, so on a whim, you know, we sent him an email just kind of reaching out, just saying, hey, we'd love to talk to you about our idea forecaster, um, never really expecting a response, just kind of one of those emails you send and just kind of hope that, that you get a response from him. He actually did respond. Uh, and uh, we had a, a nice email chain back and forth. And he was very interested in the product. And, and he requested that we kind of reach back out to him once the MVP is done. So I think I count that as a, as a really big win. He's obviously a very influential person. Um, and, and he's, and he's, you know, uh, 
very, very successful and, and has done a lot in his career. And, and we were really happy that he took the time to respond to our emails. Um, so that's one really, really nice success that, that, uh, I would call out. And, uh, I think another specific success would be uh, Stephen was actually able to to get a hold of uh, the head of marketing over at Carta, um, and and talk through uh, their their growth strategies and and kind of what was successful for them early on, and and it was a really fruitful conversation. And and again, I you, you have to you know give give him credit for taking the time to kind of reach out and talk to us and and uh, you know take some time out of his day to explain what worked for them, but. Um, I think that those are those are our, our greatest successes to date, and uh, as far as failures go, you know, I the the only thing that I can really that I can really point at is is in in our mind, I think would be a, a failure is that we originally thought that we were going to be able to get the MVP out uh, much earlier, and and it's due to just you know random just things that happen, things that pop up. Uh, uh, that we've unfortunately had to continue to push off um, the completion date of the MVP. Uh, you know, it's kind of to be expected, I guess. It's like building a house. You know, you never really uh, get it done whenever you think that you're originally going to get it done or, or um, hope to get it done. But, uh, but it has taken a little bit longer than we had originally, we had originally hoped for, which I think we, we see as a failure. Um, but obviously that's not going to break the company in any way. Steven, do you have anything you want to chime in and add? Honestly, I think uh, Logan pretty much covered it. You know, I mean, it's so, and, and uh, I hate to be that, that kind of vanilla guy, but it really is like it, you're, we're so early in the company's history. It's like, it's hard to even honestly talk about the successes and failures at, at this point. I mean, like Logan said, we've done some things really well. We've had some things, you know, go well. We've had some things go not so well, but like, the real successes and failures are going to happen once we enter the market, you know, like six months from now, you ask that question and we're going to have some highs and some lows, you know, but right now it's like, it's kind of the calm before the storm, if you will. Yeah. Love that. Well, Hey, uh, thanks again, guys, so much for spending time with us. You know, hopefully that you guys get to grow your network. And, uh, last thing before we, we head out, what advice do you have for, and I mean this literally anyone interested in entrepreneurship could be from like the social enterprise aspect, you know, from wanting to have a startup, what what would be like the the two cents you would want to share with someone? All right, so I have uh, I have w- one thing that comes to mind, and this is something that I didn't do well uh, at Fantasy Hub, and TechStars beat it into my skull, and now I do it so well, and that's building uh, a social network. So this is fellow founders, like so so speaking of entrepreneurs, like go out there and meet get coffees with every other entrepreneur in your community, and just get to know them on a personal level, like. Don't do it tit for tat. Don't go to the meeting saying, what can this guy do for me or, 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 or how can this other founder help me? Just go meet him personally. Build a relationship. And don't just do this with founders. You know, do this with investors. Do this with advisors, mentors, corporate folk. I mean, uh, you know, people at you know, uh, entrepreneurial support organizations like GLI or Awesome Inc. Like, go out and meet these people and build a network. You know, the biggest thing that I found in entrepreneurship is that you can't do it alone. You know, it takes a support network, both because it's incredibly emotionally draining and because like you never know the serendipitous connections that fellow people can make for you. And you just, you just never know. So you have to lead with, with giving, you know? And, uh, I, I didn't do that at all with fantasy, but really hamstrung our growth and tech stars built their whole 
business around building this network and the strength of a network, social capital, in my opinion, is the most important form of capital. And you've got to get out there and just start building a tribe early on. Make sure everybody knows you. Make sure everybody knows your company, knows your roadmap. Just be friendly. Be out there. That's the one thing that I see a lot of founders not doing, that if they did that, they'd have a lot more success, especially in small markets like Louisville and Lexington, where it's hard to fundraise. Like You need to network. You need a really good network in order to pull in some capital. So that's just one of the benefits, but definitely do that. I love that. No, I think one of the, the, the mantras that we have here at Awesome Inc. is definitely give before you get. And so that's really cool to hear that. That's been something that you guys have learned from. So again, guys, thank you so much for your time. It's been a blast. All right. Well, that's it. We want to say thank you again so much for checking out the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame podcast. Special thanks to Lee Rosevere for the music that you hear in the show and to Lexington's Awesome Inc. for hosting us from their space. Again, I'm Garrett Farbach. Make sure to check back and tune in next time. We'll see you then.